Really? That's what it sounds like every morning when I get up. In case you were wondering, gee, wonder what it sounds like when Carney gets up in the morning. No, you know. It's like the Tin Man. There you go. That's how the sausage is made. So here we are, kids, uh, with another one. Back at it for you, Thursday edition of the Carney Show. And there's Julie and there's Max. So apparently I did drive to the right radio station today. You know, for a while. That would be weird. And that was my dream last night, that I showed up here and we were going to play Know the Show. And it was a Friday. And I had no questions for Know the Show. And our boss came in (laughs) and it was Julia Roberts and it was just a thing. Our boss was Julia Roberts? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. I know. Yeah, it's weird how often... uh, Oh, hi, everybody. Um, It's weird how often my dreams take place with the backdrop being the Spanish station. I don't know why. I mean, when it's a work thing... You guys are in it, but physically we are down on Memorial Drive. I, it's weird. I mean, I was down there 15 years, but... Well, and prior to that... Very strange. There's some connection to your childhood. Very strange. You, you too. <laughs> I don't want to have those kind of dreams. Like, I just... I don't but, want dreams that'll make me sad. Yeah, radio dreams are always sad. Um, Brandon Weiss is going to break down some sports for us, and there are some. Uh, what else? You know, we're like the baseball players are in Jupiter, getting started, firing that up. St. Louis City SC has their first game inside of two weeks now. Very exciting. Things are happening. Things are happening. Things are happening. Cacaw. Blues. Starting to pull it together, too. Anyway, I don't want to steal his thunder. We'll have Brenda break it down in just a bit. Marshall Brain with some imponderables. I had another one that came to me this morning, and it was from my son that I'm going to hit him with, and I'll just let you chew on it for a while. But he asked me how they make cologne, and I'm like, wow, I don't know how a fragrance is developed. You know, if it's it's a, it's a scientific yeah, but if it's lavender, you don't see little crushed up lavender petals in there. Ooh, that's how a good do, one. How do they do that? So we'll throw that at him. I don't know if Mac, did you tell him, or are we going to spring it on him? No, I told him. He's he's got all the answers anyway. Uh, Rob Reiner's got a new movie out called Christian Nationalism uh, that he did with Dan Partland. And the two of them will join us to talk about God and country, this uh, new movie out, uh, obviously with a political bent, because that's kind of Rob's jam. What? Yeah. And Amadeo Fusca, I believe I got that right. He is working across the hall. Yeah, he's going to walk over here in a couple minutes. Men from Mars, women from Venus. All right, bing, bang, boom, what's up? Just uh, having... A radio nightmare. Other than that, I really can't give you anything too exciting, but I can tell you that I did set up my DVR for Major League Baseball MLB Network tonight because, as Bob Costas told us last week, 
they're going to be doing a Sounds of the Game on Joe. And I watched the one they did on Bob, and it was fantastic. Yeah. And I've seen some of the one they did on Joe already, just via email. But I like to, actually, I've listened to it. And I can't wait to watch that tonight on the big screen. And there's a lot of St. Louis ties Obviously, too. Gotta that. be. Yeah. yeah. Is that going to run several times? Do you Usually know? they do. They and do it's that. So. Only on the MLB network. I don't, I can't say that. Okay. I just then know that sounds of the that. game. Um, I'm looking forward to that, too. Yeah. I, I read Dan Caesar's article about it today. Uh, he wrote a nice piece. If you're curious, have a little head start before you watch it. I'm well, just impressed you have a DVR. Is that really old school? I don't know. I don't. I don't know anybody. Is that like saying anymore. a VCR, or like a TiVo, or something? I don't really know anybody who has. I'll see you in Rasia. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> Great, Magsy. Yes, we're Hello, both John. in flannel. How do you feel about that? You, you guys really, look like little lumberjacks. Do you really not know what a DVR is? If you had to guess, digital video recorder, probably. Do you remember when we had VCRs and you could tape a program? Yeah, they did that digitally about twenty years ago. And right. so you'd buy a TiVo or you would buy a, a dedicated DVR. And, oh, look, here's, you know, we actually used to have one through DirecTV. And you're like, oh, I want to watch the Supergirl yeah. show. So you, you uh, assign it to record. But then the next thing you know, you've got 15 episodes. And then it became this anxiety-inducing right. thing where That's my wife true. and I were like, we got to watch all these episodes of Breaking Bad before we go on to the next show. And I, I hated it. So the second we could get rid of it, I did because it just gave me anxiety. Yeah. I think I had a TiVo. Anywho, well, there you go. So you do know what one is. So other than picking out a flannel uh, for the day, where where have you been? You know, What's I ripped on? a flannel the other day, and I and uh, my son said you got to go buy a new one. So I'm going to. Uh, See, I was bossing around like that. Yeah, he kind of is. No, yesterday was Valentine's Day, and I of course had some some uh, uh, frosted brownies and some Walter Knoll florist. Flowers. You were loaded with swag yesterday. And I actually found a, a comic book called Godzilla Valentine's Day Special. So I got that for Oscar, which is as weird as, as it sounds. Uh, but then also when I got home, I was the first one home, and my wife had put all of these Valentine's Day messages all around the house for me to find. And uh, she do that kind of stuff normally, and it really, it really made me smile. And without sounding too cheesy... It made me feel loved and appreciated. So it was very nice. That's so very nice. Cool. That's wonderful. Wow. So it was a nice. You Valentine. think you know somebody? Yeah. That was lovely. Yeah. That is wonderful. Cool. Um, we went to dinner. That was it. I I think I said this yesterday. My plan was, I'm gonna stop by the store while John's at physical therapy, pick up a couple of steaks. Bring them home, hand them to Liam, and say, "Here, cook cook steaks for you and your brother. We're going out," and that's what we did. But just like Cinco de Mayo a few years ago, Uh-oh. trying to go to a Mexican restaurant with no reservations is stupid. So it's Valentine's Day. We have no reservations anywhere, and hey, let's go out to dinner. So we go over to the streets. And the first place we walk into is Napoli C. They laughed There's at us. There's no it. way. They laughed at us. They even dropped Tony's name. Nah, no help. You did? Let's hear that. How would that go down if you were trying to name drop your way into a hey, restaurant? is Tony here? Because, uh, you know, we do a lot of work together. And uh, Oh, hour and a half? 
Okay, thanks, bye. Um, <laughs> Does it involve a $100 bill and a pinky ring? <laughs> no. Okay. It was a reenactment. Uh, so across to Firebirds, same story, bounced around. Let's try Main Street. So we go over to Main Street, and I'm like, let's look. It's pro- I'm not going to get my hopes up because they have like eight tables. There's a Peruvian restaurant there called Jalal, and we love it. We love it. And it's where I found Mr. Miowski's bread. It's on their menu. We drive by. I see two empty tables in a parking space right in front of the building. I'm like, this is not happening. Park the car, go in, sit down. Amazing dinner. Oh, good. I was. I took Carol to Sugo. I forgot that. Yeah. At five o'clock. Always a good call. It's a good time for dinner in St. Louis. Either of you happen to run into social media, Tom, because uh, he had an issue yesterday. He was trying to take his beloved out for a seafood dinner, but he didn't have reservations. So either one of you run into No. Him? Didn't have reservations okay. for a table or reservations about taking her to dinner? Well, I, I don't know about that last <laughs> I didn't have a reservation. It was just I thought if we go at 10 minutes to 5, we should be okay. Yeah. And first we tried one place, and then we that didn't work. So we, we went over to Sugo, and it was good. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the point is just being with the one you love or ones you love. Sure. sure. So we all succeeded on that front. So that basically was the evening. Then, then we were in bed by 8.30. That's my kind of night. Mine too. So let's uh, let's start this darn thing, shall we? We shall. Um, I don't know how busy Sugar Fire Smokehouse would have been yesterday. Because... I mean, they're always busy. It's great food. Several locations. Quick service. Good prices. But if it's Valentine's Day and you're going on maybe a first or second date, and you're just kind of discovering each other, and the romance is new and fresh, and having barbecue sauce all over your face probably doesn't look cool. You know, you're trying to say, hey... What's going on? And you look like a circus clown with barbecue sauce all over yourself. So I don't know if they were that busy yesterday. Super Bowl, 25,000 wings, I believe. It's a lot of wings. Oh, man, they are cranking it out like crazy, and for good reason. And a lot of those people that are getting those things have been there before, and have been there before, and have been there before, and have been there before. It's that good. The burn ends, get down to Florissant, that newest location. You will be hooked. Hooked. Find a location near you, what they got, all their stuff. Online, sugarfiresmokehouse.com. Sure, if I had to guess, I would say 70s TV show, possibly. Nope. It's uh, Brendan's walk-up music because oh, this is his, right. his jam. It's when I lost control of the show, I remember. It's, all right. <laughs> it's the same guy. He's our sports director, so if we want to talk anything about sports, obviously we turn to him. Hi, Brendan. 
John, Julie, Max, what's going on? Well, you're the one at City Park. You tell us. Yeah. What's going on down there? So a little preview to set the stage for Tuesday night's big, I guess we call it the opener. It's their opener in the Champions Cup tournament, the, the CONCACAF tournament that they'll be playing in, hopefully for a couple of months, right? That is one of the perks of having such a great finish last year in their first season. So they'll play that game Tuesday night against Houston, and then they'll turn around and play the actual MLS opener. I know it can be a little confusing, but the MLS season opener would then come a week from Saturday against Real Salt Lake there at City Park. So it's here, guys. Uh, The second season for St. Louis City SC is upon us. You're right. I'm totally lost. I just assumed that the opener was a week from Saturday. I don't even know about this tournament you were talking about. Right. So it's again, it's it's a tournament with if you're a team that had a strong finish in your respective. So it's not just MLS teams. It's teams from all over uh, North America, if you will, and uh, in in Mexico. So there is a lot of representation and it's, you know, for City, they didn't fare too well in these kind of games last year. They won one game, I believe, in the Open Cup. They dropped their two games in the League's Cup tournament that happened later on in the summer in July, and then they had that quick exit in the MLS Cup, in the MLS playoffs. They lost back-to-back games to Kansas City. So this is an opportunity to kind of get a feeling of what it's like to win knockout round games. And and this is is the big difference between professional soccer and the other professional sports is that you do have these other events – going on simultaneously with the seasons. Like I said, I know it can be a little confusing. I think for a lot of us, it's taken some getting used to. But I think once once you kind of get into that flow and understand what they're doing, I think it's a pretty fun aspect, and it gives you more than one possible trophy to chase after, and that's what City has coming their way on Tuesday. Brendan, did you hear about the two kids from Denver – that received the first uh, scholarships to play Division One cornhole. What? I did not. That is what, what 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 school are they going to? So two kids uh, received Division One cornhole scholarships: Jackson Remick and Gavin Hammond. They went to Thunder Ridge High School in near Denver, and they've got a strong cornhole program, and they're huh. cornhole prodigies. So. I didn't, for them. Were, I didn't know you were such a fan. That I didn't know either. John Carney thing I've ever heard you say. I, I know. It's like I've, I'm throwing my voice. They're going to go to Winthrop <laughs> University in South Carolina. Oh. Yeah, Winthrop. Uh, it, Winthrop is is they they are Division One in multiple in multiple sports. So that is that is quite interesting. And I mean, let's be honest. We it, it cornhole has become much like a lot of these other very niche kind of sports or maybe like we like, you know, like a, like a backyard barbecue kind of sport. We all play cornhole or bags or what have you. And it's, it has become very competitive. There, there are televised cornhole events. I guess, Julie, it only makes sense that we have a chance to give these athletes opportunities at winning scholarships. Now it's not a full ride. Athletes. I mean, (laughs) 
In bowling, you could drink beer, but not while you're bowling. Cornhole, the only sport I can think of that you could be chugging a beer while you're playing in the moment. Athletes. I believe that's, I mean, that's a, that's a skill set, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a round in cornhole where you have to hold your beer and toss the beanbag all simultaneously. Uh, so they're going to have quite the education down there at Winthrop, it sounds like. I'm sure he has, it's all over ESPN. They're following it closely. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just didn't expect that at all. Won't be long before we're sitting in the uh, upper bowl, uh, by the way, because... The football is uh, coming back to St. Louis. Yeah. All right. So uh, what's going on with, with practices? What do we know? Well, we've got what, what you mentioned, those upper bowl tickets. They, they, are, they have started to sell additional 400-level tickets to the Dome because the, the first allotment has already sold out. And bear in mind, John, these are just the season tickets that are flying off the shelves already. Individual game tickets are yet to go on sale. That will happen later this month. From a roster and on-the-field point of view, it looks like all signs point to the Battlehawks bringing back last year's starting quarterback, A.J. McCarron. Yeah. He, uh, he had a cup of coffee again with the Cincinnati Bengals this past season played again in the NFL and just earlier this week was released by the Bengals. So many are projecting, and it could have happened here within the last hour as I've been driving here downtown. I'm not sure, but AJ McCarron, it does look like all signs are pointing to him rejoining the battle Hawks <laughs> and, and being the team's uh, quarterback here in 2024. And, and, and by the way, the battle Hawks only have one quarterback on their roster. They have made moves this week as well with, you know, the anticipation that McCarron was going to be available. So nothing official as of yet, but it looks like he'll be coming back. And I, I, I think by all accounts, one of the best quarterbacks uh, in this league, in this new UFL. Cool. Well, that's good news. I mean, if we're going to have some football, let's at least have a good team. Good call. We need to suffer nope, through that for a it. while. Yeah. That's right. hopefully, we get, hopefully we get a cornhole team soon. I hope we do. <laughs> so since we're all switching roles and Julie pulls out the weird sports, I guess I'll be the one to talk basketball uh, while Max is in the room. A couple of different things on that front. Steph Curry making it into the history books. He's so amazing to watch. Just so amazing. A uh, hundred foot, hundred plus foot shot. With the Clippers, they lost, by the way. Um, but it also put him uh, in the books forever. Uh, he becomes the first player in the history of the NBA to record at least seven three-point shots in four consecutive games. Congratulations, oh. Steph Curry. Wow. I mean, the guy could hit it from the parking lot if he wanted to. He could hit it from the upper deck. He could hit one of those trick shots that you see on social media all the time. He's incredible. Um, maybe pound for pound the best player of this generation, I think, with what he's been able to do in his shot-making abilities. And as you said, John, incredibly fun to watch. And I don't think he's anywhere close to being done either. Uh, 
he he seems like the kind of guy that could maybe play for another 10 years at an incredibly high level. And um, I I think as of right now, I I certainly wouldn't bet against him. Speaking of taking shots in the NBA, Drew Eubanks from the Phoenix Suns also taking a shot, but not, not on the court. Apparently, after a game with the Pistons, out in the parking lot, uh, Piston standout Isaiah Stewart got into a little scuttlebutt and uh, punched Drew Eubanks in the face, and Isaiah Stewart was arrested. Front row. Uh-oh. So now what happens? Oh, you're, you're asking me? No, I, I don't. Sports <laughs> For your legal analysis. <laughs> yeah, let, yeah my, right. I, I thought you guys had that segment on later on in the show. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, if he's in jail, John, I, I, I'd assume <laughs> his his current NBA career would be in would be in some jeopardy at um, at this juncture. Although we've seen guys been able to weather that kind of storm. I guess it depends on on what crime you're accused of committing. This would be one where, well. It d- depends on how serious the uh, the, the ah, depends yeah. on how serious a the potential conviction might, would be. He might have a career in uh, cornhole. You never know. You but never I know. just never know. The whole and, Detroit Pistons team is going to be punished for this one. John, yes. if if I could, and Julie, a couple of interesting stories going on tonight in women's slash girls basketball. One being Caitlin Clark yeah. at Iowa. She is set to become the sport's all-time leading scorer tonight. I believe she's either eight or nine points away from setting that record, and she scores that amount of points in like two minutes. So the record could be broken before the first quarter is even over with in that game tonight. So that's the first one, and that's going to make national news tonight. And she has just done wonders. I mean, those games drawing huge television audiences. She's selling out all the buildings that she goes to. She's been absolutely spectacular. But then on a local level, Incarnate Word Academy, girls basketball team tonight, they play at Ursuline. A win for IWA would be 124 consecutive victories for that program. It would be a Missouri high school basketball record. They already tied the record a couple of days ago. This game tonight would put Incarnate Word all by themselves in the Missouri high school basketball record books. Just think about that. 124 games That's pretty without exciting. a loss. Dan Rolfus and his, I mean, he, he's just one of the finest coaches uh, in the sport of basketball, probably in the country, when you think about what he's done at that school. And uh, that will be certain. They play at 6 o'clock tonight. We'll certainly keep you updated during the big sports show. Is that uh, that record looks to come down. Just a really cool story and one that I think all of us could celebrate here in St. Louis. Nice. And uh, looking forward to seeing that all. Not that we're not rooting uh, against the, the fine young ladies at Ursuline Academy. Yeah, I kind of feel but... bad for them, <laughs> but I get it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, um, on our text line, they're asking, can you watch the Iowa women only on Peacock? Do you know, Brendan, where you can watch it? If it's on Peacock, that would be a Peacock exclusive, and I can check for you here real quick. Oh, and, that's and okay. And see where that game uh, winds up tonight. Because just tell us on the big probably, sports show. You can also Google it. It's fine. Yeah, you can just go it's on your fine. Phone. Yeah, 
you're, you're driving. Let's not take yeah, any risks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big sports show. Are you going to do that? Or are you going to call on, it sick? It What's is the plan? On, it is on Peacock, 7 o'clock tonight, so that would be a Peacock exclusive, yes. Um, big sports show tonight. Martin has uh, Tom Hart and Vahe Gregorian on the show, and that will be a very interesting conversation with Vahe. As, uh, of course, he's located there in Kansas City on all of the terrible events from the Chiefs. So victory so parade sad. yesterday. So that's at 6. We'll do some winners and losers at 7 with Ben Fred. And then at 8, like I said, we're monitoring what's going on in that IWA basketball game, and hopefully have some good news for a major record being broken here in the state later on tonight. Great, Brandon. Thanks for all the info. Thank you, John. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Max. Thanks, Brendan. And thank you, Julie, for the cornhole update. Well, I do what I can. Do you play that or does Crusher do that? Oh, yeah, we're big into that. We go to all the tournaments across Uh, the country. I mean, just leisurely. Uh, Sometimes, like we have... You know, like at a family thing, we'll put yeah. that out. Yeah, it's fun. I think it's fun. I get some. Some people call it bags, and Nip. then some people say bigs. Bigs. My neighbors are huge into it. They'll play in the alley every night and like bring like night lights out or you know those Coleman lamps so they can see them and then play like till one, two o'clock in the morning. Is it right outside your bedroom window? No, luckily it's about four or five doors down in the alley. So. Woo. And I played with him a couple times and realized I'm not good at this. I do love skee ball, and it's like kind of the same motion. True story. Yeah, True. and I would love to have a, an authentic. If you ever want to get me a really good present? Oh, here, let me write this down. <laughs> <laughs> an authentic skee ball machine, like an old one from an yeah. arcade that's been cleaned. That's been cleaned. Obviously, one that's been cleaned. <laughs> I just go down Lake of the Ozarks. I mean, back in the day, there was one in every other building. I know. Down there at Bagnell Dam, but I don't know. Oh, that's true. I bet I could find one on eBay or something. Oh, like sure. That. You can find anything there. I have to get shoulder replacement surgery after that, but you, you cannot know. find on eBay uh, a good personal injury lawyer. I mean, I bet you could probably find somebody to offer legal services, but you're not going to find a good one. You're not going to find the best one. You're not going to find. Brown and Groupin. Brown and Groupin, they sponsor Johnny Law, but for the most part, what they do is get a lot of people, a lot of money. And that compensation, I said, they got them a lot of money. I know. Money. Okay. Uh, And that compensation goes to those who deserve it because they've been injured. They've been misled. They've been given uh, bad medical advice. Uh, Surgery went wrong. I mean, things where someone needs to be held accountable. Nobody is going to admit their guilt and compensate you just because you ask. You need a legal team. You need Brown and Crouppen. Free consult, 314-222-2222 or online, getbc.com. And remember, the choice of a lawyer. is a personal decision. It is important. important. It's an important decision. decision. It shouldn't be based solely upon advertising. Ah, good catch, Max. Twelve forty-six. Carney show coming up next hour. A conversation with uh, Rob Reiner, who, along with Dan Partland, have made a new film called God and Country, and uh, we'll discuss the new project with them. Marshall Brains coming up on the show. And speaking of shows, there's one.
that's not even a sand wedge away from us over <laughs> at the Playhouse. And it is men are from Mars, women are from Venus, uh, a story you've at least heard about and celerally. And it's uh, come alive thanks to this guy, Amadeo Fusca, who's sitting right next to us. Yeah, thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. We had a we had a great opening night last night, and we got uh, five more shows this week. So uh, the crowds are uh, fun so far. Is it mostly women? Uh, you know, when um, it's mostly couples, and then when we get, we don't get packs of guys. We'll get packs of women together sure. in a group for sure. Yeah, I took a picture with three women after the show who were just hugging me, uh, bear hugging me like crazy uh, in the how, picture. Because they awful. feel like you get them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. And um, that's exactly what it is. And then uh, a lot of couples. And then and I always tell people, I'm really, bring your husbands, bring your boyfriends, because I'm really speaking to the guys here, you know? They I'm need really, the most help. That's, what, that's exactly what's I'm happening. I'm with you. Oh, come on. <laughs> What's going on here? So we'll get into the show, but let's talk about some of this other stuff you do that you've found yourself at the Friars Club Mm -hmm. and you've done various roasts of celebrities we recognize. So going back to, you know, grade school, junior high, high school, were you one of those kind of people that could detention cut yeah. someone into little pieces without them really even realizing it you know the funny thing was i was i spent a lot of time outside the classroom because teachers would have to throw me <laughs> Get out the hall. Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much that was kind of a running joke that uh, people would always just see me in the hall but uh i was never mean towards teachers i was just uh, i just couldn't help but like try to uh float a joke in the room that would get everybody to laugh so yeah i was always a class clown and uh wasn't necessarily a roaster yet until uh you know my new york days right before the roast started kicking in but uh, i was always a class clown for sure and you've roasted people like dennis rodman that's yeah. that's that's pretty easy to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one was a lot of material. Wild. Hard material to writes it down. Yeah, that's yeah. the hard part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that one was cool because it was literally it was. I mean, it was a while ago, but it was two weeks after he came back from North Korea with his Kim Jong Un visit. Yeah, oh. so there was even more material there, oh, and I, I and I came out uh, um, dressed as Kim Jong Un. I got introduced as Kim Jong Un, so I came out and did a whole <laughs> crazy. I gotta thing. look that up. That's yeah, funny. it's pretty funny. And Rick Schroeder. Ricky Schroeder, yeah, that was cool, too. And Gilbert Godfrey was at that one because he was one of the judges of this competition. So I kind of took a big shot at Gilbert by doing an impression. So that was... uh, How do you take it? Oh, it was he was great. He was great. It was... uh, The room lit up, too. These videos are online. You could see them. They're pretty... They get, you know, they... Get a little raunchy. They get pretty vulgar, but they're uh, all in good sport. I have a a CD of Friars Roasts that go way back, but it's uncensored. And to hear Johnny Carson and mm-hmm. Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra drop F-bombs <laughs> left and right, it's yeah. like, this is so weird. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, when they, yeah, obviously when they would televise it, they would take all that stuff out. I've never seen those versions, actually. Do they give you rules? No, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it was a no-holds-barred type thing, but, you know, you, you can't just be raunchy or vulgar just for the, you know, it's got to make some sense. And, uh, if, you know, if you can make it make some sense and get away with it and get that crowd on your side, then, you know, it's uh, you're doubling down on the, re- on the reward. It's been a long time since uh, we got the book, Men Are From Mars, Women, mm. Women Are From Venus, or vice versa. But tell us what the gist of it, like, remind us, jog our memories a little bit so that people that 
don't yeah. know or they kind of vaguely remember it can kind of get the gist. You know, it's about uh, celebrating the differences between uh, men and women within relationships. And I'm kind of there as, a, I don't want to say a relationship uh, a counsel, but um, I'm just there to kind of remind you on, um, you know, inspire romance again, just in case you and, uh, make light of and make fun of all the differences of how we get, you know, how we get the chores wrong or how we sometimes when we're going for a date night, it's super stressful or how we're doing the same stuff in the bedroom or, you know, I'm there as a cartoon character on stage to help kind of uh, blow it out, all, uh, blow it all out of the water and uh, get everybody um, laughing and inspiring romance and nudging each other and going home and having some fun again. Let's uh, let's get your, your credibility here. Yeah. Uh, are you married? Are you in a uh, relationship? Yeah, you know, you... I uh, I talk about all about that in the show, all that stuff. But yeah, I'm 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 in the thick of it. You know, I don't. Uh, I I will reveal all that on stage for Is sure. Is your partner amused by what you do? Yeah, you know, she. Uh, I definitely practice what I preach for sure at home, and uh, it's all about the little things. You know, you got to give them. Um, to score points every day, you got to bring them stuff that, uh, you know, really just it's small things that guys have to do. Like, for instance, she loves the seltzer water. So every day I come home, I have a bottle of seltzer water there, and that just that buys, me, that buys me so much time. And before, it's such a small yeah. gesture, so but it small. goes a long way. It goes way. so long. I mean, it buys, me, it buys me the whole night sometimes of before I, you know, get called out on something. I saw a video I the other night that the Holderness family did called Chore Play. And how women love to see men do chores around the house. Mm. That makes them happy. Short play. That's hilarious. She'll be waiting a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a whole section in the show where I just, I basically am talking about all the chores and acting out all the stuff that I do as she does, or we can't comprehend how the other can't do it. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> the whole men and women thing. It's like trying to put a, a square peg in a round hole. It's like, yeah. how did we yeah. ever... Coexist and we manage, yeah. and we manage. So, from what John Gray wasn't mm-hmm. that his name? Yep, uh, probably still his name. Uh, is this verbatim what he wrote, or did you write a new script? And did he have to sign off on every word? Yeah, we basically took a lot of the theories from the book and kind of turned it into this comedy show. Uh, there was a writer who um, adapted uh, the, the the script from the book, and then. Um, and then when they bring in a new actor like me, I've been doing it for eight years, they kind of uh, – I work with a director, Mindy Cooper, to kind of um, find what my show might be um, and, and upgrade the specifics because, uh, you know, we're, we're constantly evolving with um, – Now there's the social media exactly, and, and right. different – So yeah. we have to kind of, uh, you know, insert this here, insert here. I mean a lot of the um, situations might stay the same, but we're kind of um, – freshening up the material on how we get there within those situations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're, we're constantly evolving the script, and John Gray signs off on it. And then, you know, I do a lot of improv with the audience that night. I interview some couples. You know, I'm, I'm looking for things in the audience that are happening that night. I have a lot of local jokes where I insert local flavor here. So I have a lot of fun show-to-show uh, show with just uh, some new things popping up as well. Yeah, it's funny when some comics come into town and we have them on the show off the air, they'll pull me aside and say, okay, what's considered to be the yeah. really bad area? What's <laughs> the worst restaurant? Yeah. What, you know, and, you know, the biggest political scandal. Yeah. So I'd feed them and then I'd weave it into yeah. the thing. So, yeah. You could totally mess with them yeah. and just <laughs> turn it all upside up. down. I would not show. trust I do you the same in that thing. role. I got, I got gooey butter cake. Uh-huh. I got the, uh, um, what do you got here? Obviously the Gateway Arch. And, uh, God, there's a couple other local Evo's flavor pizza. ones. Ballpark Village. Oh, huh? yeah. 
Emo's no, pizza. Emo's pizza. Emo's pizza. Is that that's the real than? thin probel. It's made with cheese that's completely Emo's made up. Okay. It's really good. He Emo's doesn't like pizza. it. I do. Okay. It's weird. But people, you don't like it, but I, I think. I do. I do. Oh, you do. As a blend. As yeah. a blend. As a blend. Okay. And obviously the sports teams, because I have a whole sports section in the show. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, good. Yeah. Eight years doing the show. Yeah, So yeah. the Eight numbers years. have to be astounding of people that you have performed to. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm coming up on 500 performances. You know, it's probably close to 100 thousand people at they this all point. have it but there's a bar at every show right yeah 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 they always get the drink and i always say in the second half you know please get this show's a lot better when you've been drinking obviously because yeah. it just <laughs> is uh and uh yes our third time here i mean there's a lot of cities i've been to probably three times it's just you know we're usually going for a week or a weekend and it, it does really well and then uh they ask us back like a year or two or three later but sometimes when you mix the booze with the show and you're yeah. doing a one-man show yeah it's quiet enough where someone in the audience who believes they should be in show business <laughs> yeah. takes the opportunity yeah. to interject themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you trying to apologize right now? For <laughs> I have to do that Sounds to Dave right. Chappelle. That's really years. the only one I have to yeah. do. But uh, tell me about one of those that comes to mind where you somebody know, just wanted to be part of it. You know, that's honestly where I start to have fun with the show. Uh, when somebody, Bring it. When somebody kind of, uh, you know... Is politely, you know, interjecting because no one's ever or doing impolite. it in a way. They're not never really doing it in a way where they're trying to uh, ruin me. They're just doing it because they no, just have the impulse. Just... And there's some people who just do it the whole time and they don't realize. And I just play with them. I, I don't. Uh, I don't ever try to look them dumb, make them look dumb. Versus, I try to uh, just uh, speak with them, talk with them, like create a joke with them versus make them the joke but uh it's honestly uh it's honestly the most fun i have in shows is when stuff happens off the cuff with the audience yeah can we ask about co-starring in a movie with robert de niro oh yeah thank you man. how'd that go uh you know uh how is bob it was good it was good uh i'm in the movie alto nights coming uh, uh out in october um i i you know i I didn't have a scene with him, but I'll be in the credits with him. So unfortunately, I can't uh, sit here and lie and say, "Oh yeah, Bob and I shared a trailer," and you know our scene is. uh, (laughs) You could say that, but did you did you have your own trailer? Uh, yeah, I, well, I had well, my own, good. like, paddy wagon. I didn't have my own trailer. You have your own room in a little paddy wagon. So, okay, well, that yeah, works. Yeah, but, uh, but it was cool. It was a great experience. I'll, you know, I'll have and the credit. If we weren't, we weren't up against the clock, I'd love to know more about yeah. your experience on Boardwalk Empire because that was extraordinary television. Oh, yeah, that was another great one where yeah. I was, whew, I And could, some heavies. Yeah. And some heavies. So right across the hallway. And shows, shoot me the show times again? Uh, 7.30 p.m. Uh, the next few nights, and then Saturday at 2 and Sunday at 2. And Amadea Fusca, F-U-S-C-A, um, dot com will get you to other stuff you're up to. And there is apparently a lot of other stuff. Oh, always, man. Always. and Never so, stop. Have fun in town. And if you want to kill time around this time frame, we're just... We're right across the hall. Knock yeah, on the come window. on over and make us laugh. Knock yeah. on the window. Hey, thanks for coming by. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks for having for, me. Thanks uh, for bringing your talents back to town. We got to get to news. And then in the next hour, uh, Schmooze, visit with Rob Reiner and Dan Partland as well on the broadcast. But you know what? If you're not here, you're going to miss the entire thing. So quick break. We'll be back in just a few. Hang on. How you doing? I glanced down. 
Uh, Max is kind enough to give me a life raft every day on the show. We call it the show sheet. And it, it lists everybody we're having on, a little bit about them, their website. Um, and then it also lists what's on tomorrow, what's coming up in the future. And I can just glance down at this one page and, you know, know what to promote. It's cliff know? notes. Yeah, basically cliff notes. So I turn the mic on. I'm like, well, let me just tease what we got coming up. And I just glanced at it. I didn't give it a good looky-loo. I just glanced at it, and I saw, wow, we're having Amelia Earhart on the show tomorrow. <laughs> we found her. I think we need to read on. But, yeah, apparently it's uh, it's an expert. And have they found her? I just read today that there's another group that says, oh, I think we found the remains of the flight. And I swear this happened like two months ago, too. It happens about once every year. It's kind of like podcasts about what really happened to JFK. It's about every month. Yeah. Come out with another theory. We don't know what happened to Amelia Earhart. My my favorite theory is actually dreadful and awful. Is that she was eaten by coconut crabs? That she crashed on this Ooh. island that's populated by coconut crabs. And if you don't know what they are, Google them, and it's terrifying. Can you tie it to Taylor Swift in any way? While we're on conspiracies, well, no, <laughs> no, can't do that. But I do want to say coconut crabs. Uh, happy day to Harvey Davis. His daughter, I assume daughter, sent in a text saying that he received good test results and he listens to the show and asks us to do a shout out. So we love that. Way to go, Harvey. Keep fighting the fight. I am confused as to why you assume it's a lady. I don't I don't know. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. I just feel like it's a son wouldn't do that. Men aren't that a son might. It. Yeah, I, I feel considered. like women are more Well, wow. I don't know if you heard, but men are from Mars. I, I have heard that, yeah. That's is true. Totally forgot what we were talking about. We were talking about Cinderella. No, no. Right before you uh, brought up the text, we were mid something. Oh, I forgot. My apology. I oh, Amelia Earhart. <laughs> that that story keeps coming up. Okay. Uh, throw DB Cooper into the mix. We could do a week of things that are solved every year. <laughs> like, but not, not really. Yeah. Yeah, no, here's the answer. Here's what happened in the Mona Lisa. It's actually really him. No, it's his mom. Da, 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 da. It's him. Yeah. Well, that's, that's I know. Theory. It's crazy. Um, So. Look at it, the text line. It says, I was right. It's a daughter. I, oh, I, I get that. You had a 50-50 chance of being right. I, I did. I think it's odd that no, you assume that a son 50. wouldn't do something for their parents. No, I don't assume that. I just, I, I, it's more likely that it was a woman rather than a man. I don't know. Everybody wants to stay in the will, you know? I guess. But let's not bring that up. We were talking yesterday off the air. And you were referring to a friend. I don't remember which one. You you have a lot. Kathleen Niemeyer. There you She's go. a voiceover talent in St. Louis and a wonderful human. And also uh, knows verbatim a routine that... Archie Campbell is credited for. I know he did it on, on Hee Haw, and it might have come from somewhere else as well. And it's hilarious. Um, and it was actually 74 years ago today. So odd that that would come up yesterday I know. in conversation. 74 years ago today, 1950, Cinderella 
opened in theaters. They made it with three million bucks, and I think they got twenty back in the deal. But of course, Cinderella is a good story. Rindersella is a funnier story. Take it away, Archie Campbell. Like, for example, instead of Cinderella, you say Rindersella. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you the story of Cinderella. You learn this, and then you tell it to your kid, all right? All right. All right. Once upon a time in a corn country, there lived a beautiful girl, and her name was Rindersella. Now, Rindersella lived with her mugly other and two sad blisters. Also, in this same corn country, there was a very prancing hints. Now, this prancing hints was going to have a fancy fall, and he invited the people for riles of mouth, especially the pitch reaper. That's the only one to invite. <laughs> now, Rindersella's mugly other and her two sad blisters, they went out to buy some drancy fesses, you know, to wear to this fancy fall. But Rindersella couldn't go because... All she had to wear was some old dirty dags. <laughs> so finally the night of the Mansi Fall arrived, and Rindersella couldn't go, so she just cat down and shrived. She cat down and shrived. Yeah, right down there and shrived. And she was kitting her shrived. When all at once there appeared before her, her Gary Mudfather. And he touched her with his wagic man. And there appeared before her a keg, boach, and hicks white sources. You know, to take her to the Mansi Fall. But he said, now, Rindersella, you be sure and be home before midnight, or I'll turn you into a pumpkin. <laughs> so when Rindersella arrived at the Mansi Fall, this prancing hence met her at the door because he'd been watching all this time behind a wooden henda. <laughs> and Rindersella and the prancing hence manced all night. And they lell in fuzz. <laughs> and all at once, the mid clock struck night. And Rindersella staced down the rares, and just as she beats the rotom, she slopped her dripper. She slopped her dripper? Yes, sir. So the next day, this prancing hence went all over this corn country, looking for the beautiful girl who had slopped her dripper. Finally, he came to Rindersella's house. Well, he tried it on her mugly other, and it fit and did. Then he tried it on her two sigly usters, and it fit and did. Then he tried it on Rindersella, and it fit and did. It was exactly the side rhymes. So they got married and lived heavily after Hampers. Now, Roy, the storle of the moor is this. If you go to a Bansy Fall and you want to have a prancing hence lol and fub with you, don't forget to slop your dripper. Slop your dripper! <laughs> I love that. Archie, Archie Campbell, very silly. And I, I was not a hee-haw guy, but for people that were fans, I wonder if that homespun, corny humor still stands up. But, you know, if I didn't take to it in the beginning, I, then I would know if I, whether I liked it now or not that it held up. Did you watch hee-haw? I mean, I remember it being on a on in the background, like at my grandparents' house. Yeah. And I don't, it wasn't like, hey, everybody, gather around the tea. It's time for hee-haw. It just happened to be there. Was it on Channel 11 back in the day? I want to say you you are correct. Really, my only takeaway is uh, Roy Clark playing some amazing guitar. And that was Roy sitting in the barber's chair when uh, Archie was doing his deal. And the women were breathtaking. And there was a guy named Grandpa. That's, and that's the extent of my knowledge of hee-haw. 
Well, apparently he does a version of the Three Little Pigs, too, where he just cracks himself up. Archie does? Mm -hmm. That's according to our text line, 84126, our Michael's Baths text line. I don't doubt it. And that text is from the 618. It's probably in my library, and I've never even heard it. Probably so. I do have a bit of trivia for you. The average boiler or, or the average heater, furnace, whatever's warming you, lasts 10 to 15 years. After that, it's a crapshoot. You don't know. Is that the, So that's different. Yeah, that's not the water heater. Because I was thinking we had water heater issues at our house. And that's different. It's a different. I, all I know is whatever it is, it's in the basement. Okay, yeah. That's true. <laughs> it's the extent of my knowledge. Exactly. That thing. Classic air care since 1926, making people quite comfy. Thank you very much. In hot weather and... Thank you, Mary Futch. In this... <laughs> careful. In this weather here, they get to break, but man, it's going to get super cold again. Uh, they can help you if you need to replace your system. Um, installation, consistent heat in every room. Wouldn't that be nice? Because for some reason, in most houses... One room will be like 20 degrees colder than every other room. And I don't know why that happens. It shouldn't happen. And if it happens in your house, look into that, won't you? Call Classic Air Care and say, hey, what what's happening? 314-329-2940. Or check them out online. Classic Air, A-I-R-E. ClassicAirCare.com. show welcome back and we welcome back once again mr rob reiner and if you remember we talked i don't know a couple months ago about a wonderful uh podcast he worked on called who killed jfk and now he's back i'm like oh i wonder if it's coming out in another form no we got a brand new project are you ever gonna retire rob no, because, uh, well, I will. I will at some point when somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, we've heard enough of you to get off the stage. <laughs> but until my time, I'm going to try to keep going. Uh, you're also going to meet in just a second Dan Partland, who helped make this film. And the film is called God and Country, and it comes to theaters near you. Why don't people say that anymore? Theaters near you. I was like that. And this one... Doesn't doesn't quite carry the comedy of Princess Bride. Uh, it's and it's something that when you think about, at least for me, scares me to death. More and more we hear about Christian nationalism, but if you hold someone to it and say, "What does that mean?" You might not even get any answer. Yeah, nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the difficulty of this. To- to, to tell people that this uh, what we div- what we call Christian nationalism is a is a political movement. It's not a movement of faith. It's not a religious movement. It's political, and uh, it's a movement that is uh, very dangerous. And it, you said it it scares it scares you. It scares the Jesus out of you. I mean, <laughs> that's the, the problem. It, it, it's so far afield from the teachings of Jesus. And don't take my word for it. Because, uh, you know, why do you want to listen to me? But 
you listen to the voices in the film, some of them are very conservative, uh, devout Christian leaders who talk about how this movement is a danger, not just to democracy, but to Christianity itself. Certainly a lot to cover here, but one of the first questions, and I'm sure you get this a lot, Rob, is, you know, this is a, a closer look at this political Christianity, if you will, and you're a Jew. Why are you the guy waving the flag? Well, but the point is, I'm not in the documentary. You know, like I said, listen to the people who are in the documentary, some of them the most devout conservative uh, Christian leaders that are very well respected in the community. These are the people that are bringing the message. I'm just uh, uh, giving them a platform or helping give them a platform because they, like I said, they're very concerned about what this movement is doing to Christianity. Also working side by side with Rob Reiner on this is Dan Partland, who joins us, who, after a couple of decades of making movies and great documentaries like the one on the 60s on CNN and, and some other stuff, he's in on this, too. So, so Dan, when your phone rang and on the other line you heard, hey, it's Rob Reiner, you want to make a movie? What'd you think? And, or did it not even go that way? No, a little bit went that way. I mean, Rob and I knew each other a little bit beforehand. And uh, we we worked together on something, had a great time doing with doing it, and I think shared a lot of sensibilities. Um, but he passed me this book and asked me if I might be interested in trying to figure out how to turn it into a movie. And uh, we were we were off to the races. And you know, it's look, it's a very sensitive material. And so getting started, like I wanted to be very clear with everyone um, on the team that if I was going to take this project on, it was very important to me that it be a pro-Christian movie, that it not trash anyone's faith. I think that's really the danger is people think that because you're talking about Christian nationalism that you're criticizing Christianity. And that's one of the ways that Christian nationalism really um, succeeds in in suppressing any discussion about what is really what it's really about is it creates confusion it creates confusion that this is a faith movement and it's not a faith movement it's a political movement so one of the goals of the film was to draw a bright line between what is christian and what is christian nationalism because i think we all remember like the the ease with you know i mean for instance the mistakes we all made in the wake of 9/11 where we said that you know where everybody became frightened of muslims even though what we should have been, really been talking about was muslim extremism um i think in this case yeah there we need to draw a clear division between what is christian a faith built on love and peace and compassion and christian nationalism which is just plainly contrary to all three of those and an actual just a political ideology invented by you know the by leaders of a movement who are themselves becoming you know wealthy and powerful um by exploiting the faithful so there are some things that happen in life that happen gradually to the point where you you look at it and say how do we get this away and then there's other things where there's an event that immediately changes our purview on everything People can point to January 6th and say, that's when it crossed the line. That's when all of a sudden this became a political movement and Christian nationalism had nothing to do with religion. 
Was it that or was it more gradual, guys? Well, it's both. I mean, it is. A, it was a, and has been a gradual movement that started in, in the 50s during the Brown versus the Board of Education, which called for the uh, integration of schools. And that became the beginning of this movement because, you know, the Christian, the very conservative Christians believe that this uh, country was, was founded on a white uh, as to be uh, ordained as a white Christian nation. And so they started moving. But racism is a very ugly uh, issue to galvanize yourself around and to, to, to organize around. So as time went by, Roe v. Wade uh, came about and that became the issue. But very slowly over the decades, uh, it, this movement gained strength. It gained uh, 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 it was more well organized, more uh, better funded. And the result we saw in uh, January 6th, so it was something developing over many decades, but the culmination is uh, what we saw happen on January 6th. And that, to me, is the biggest wake-up call, because it says that this group will do anything, anything to get their way, even resort to violence. And that is a very scary idea. Now, you say this group, and what stuns me the most is those numbers get bigger and bigger. And let me address the orange-haired gorilla in the room, but every time Donald Trump goes to court and he's in trouble for something, he gets more people supporting him. I don't get the mindset, and I'm sure that's feeding into all of this. Well, it, 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 the truth of the matter is he doesn't gain more support he just gets the people who are supporting more uh, worked up and, and more angry and more uh, engaged. Uh, and these people believe uh, that Trump was sent by God, that, that Trump is, is the second coming. And they, they don't care how flawed he is. They don't care uh, he's being persecuted. And he's, as he said, I'm being persecuted for you. I'm doing all this for you. And so they get more ginned up, they get more angry, they, they, they get more involved. But I don't believe this movement is growing. I just think it is solidifying and getting angrier. But uh, the, 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 the hope at this point is that we start getting good, decent Christian people aware of the fact that their uh, faith is being co-opted by this, uh, this political movement. I, I think a million, millions and millions of tens of millions of American Christians are growing very discontent with the direction that they see their churches going. That's the interesting thing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with faith informing your politics, but these churches are becoming quasi-political, partisan political cells. They, their pastors are telling us that they're under tremendous pressure to not preach the gospel so much as to preach these political messages that they're increasingly their congregations want to hear. So this movement has gained in momentum that pastors who are trying to push back on this, trying to really articulate what the, what the values of the gospel are, are being bounced out of their congregations or their, congreg or their congregants are just plain leaving and going elsewhere where they are going to hear the messages that they want to hear. The problem is the messages they want to hear are really contrary to the teachings of the Bible. You know, in history, American history in particular, have we seen 
our country going down uh, a dire road and we were able to turn it around? I mean, I, we're still here, so obviously we've we've managed to fix a few things. What needs to happen for this to stop its groundswell? Well, that's a great question because we did see it happen uh, in, in the 1860s during the Civil War, and we weren't able to stop that. Uh, there was a that was the most violent uh, uh, division in our country, and hundreds of thousands of people died as a result. We don't want that to happen, and one of the reasons we made the film was to start a dialogue, to start a dialogue, particularly in the Christian community, to say, "What are we doing here? Are we how far afield are we getting from the teachings of Jesus, which is about loving thy neighbor and doing unto others?" And, uh, you know, caring for those less fortunate. That's what we hope to happen. And hopefully, if the dialogue can start, maybe we can head off uh, another civil war. Christian nationalism has had a number of waves um, over American history, um, the Civil War being one of them. There was another big uh, Christian nationalist wave right in the wake of World War II as a, a kind of uh, pushback on communism, because communism was believed, you know, that that was a inherently godless um, uh, construction that Americans really wanted to make sure that it was clear that, you know, we were a, a nation of the faithful. And a lot of different artifacts were added into American life that really support this idea, or that are used to support this idea that it was a Christian nation, even though they really are very recent additions, and they really are very contrary to the Constitution. You know, we, we included in, you know, uh, putting in God we trust, um, as our adopting that as our national slogan, putting uh, under God into the Pledge of Allegiance. But these are all really recent additions, and are used to justify this belief that the United States is a Christian nation, um, even though the those those things are not actually part of the founding and really are contrary to the idea of a pluralistic country, which is clearly what the founders thought. So ways to push back on it, I think, are, first of all, we have to, we have to reconnect people to what real American values are. And Americans value religious liberty and pluralism. And this idea that the separation of church and state um, needs to go or that it's not really American, this is ridiculous. That is one of the most central defining things of the United States. It's what George Washington called, you know, a, a gift to the world of an enlarged and liberal policy, one worthy of imitation, and the world has imitated it, um, because um, that is the road, that is the only way to manage a pluralistic society, is to give everybody the freedom to believe as they want to believe and keep the government secular. That's Dan Partland along with uh, Rob Reiner. God and Country, a new movie shown everywhere. And guys, A, thanks for your time. B, I want to talk to both of you again about other projects going on, including all the interventions you made, Dan. And Rob, this is our fourth conversation we never talked about Carol O'Connor. I'd love to do that someday. Thank you for making uh, folks aware and making folks think because it's a dying art. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Wait, wait, wait. Wait for me. What? Okay. I just wanted to be here. Okay. I don't want to miss the schmooze. Well, we've been talking about Drake being in St. Louis this week, and we wondered about how he was going to give out money because he said he would give out some money. Money. Uh, that he won on su- over Super Bowl, and in fact, he did, but in a different kind of a way. He made another fan happy during his show here in St. Louis 
Just Tuesday night, the fan was holding a sign that said, please help me with my surgery. And Drake replied, I don't know what kind of surgery you need, sir. I really don't. But I'm going to let you know, from me to you, St. Louis, love. We're going to take care of whatever the surgery is. Wow. That's a dangerous statement. I thought you were going to say Drake pulled out a scalpel and a stethoscope. There was one condition. To his kidney. The, the condition was that the next time Drake is in St. Louis, this guy has to come to the show. I'm next, dying to know. Like seeing all the stuff. He's doing this on every tour date. He's given a car away. The show money. I went yeah. to. Thousands of dollars. To be, it's really in, incredible to well, see someone. When he, he comes back, I'm going to bring all of my medical bills. <laughs> and <laughs> just them, tape them all up to a sign. up on stage. Here, handle this one. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Oh. Um, Beyonce's producer was asked about whether Taylor Swift would appear on Beyonce's country album. And instead of denying it, she said, let's just say that she, meaning Beyonce, is on the approach of shocking the world. Then, of course, a source with knowledge at Entertainment Weekly said that this collab was not happening. So we're kind of getting two stories yeah, if, here. If she was shocking the world, she'd collab with Rebecca Black. I think you're right. Friend of the... Sh- oh, never mind. Sarah Snook, a.k.a. Shiv from Succession, says that her co-star, Brian Cox, her dad on the show, had a habit of flying into what she calls diabetic rage on the set. And it could be terrifying because of his thunderous voice. But she says that he maybe wasn't being totally serious. He just gets hangry and says, I need my food. And I like my food, and I have to have a very, I have a very complicated relationship with my food. So he just flies off the handle, and I guess it's okay. But also, he was so intimidating as the father on Succession that, you know, maybe that was part of his method acting. You know, he was the original Hannibal Lecter. Very, oh, very yeah. Very intimidating guy. Yeah, very right. much so. Yeah. Jane Seymour is 73 today. It's National Gumdrop Day. I don't know what we do with that information. I'm just putting it out there. It's a gumdrop. A little piece of candy with the glitter stuff on it. No? I, I can't picture one. There's okay. a stick of gum, a chiclet, bubble gum. I don't know what a gumdrop is. I think it's like a jelly candy, but we can Google it. Or ask life. Marshall Brain next hour. Uh, 39 years ago today, oh, the song makes me weep. 1985, The Breakfast Club was released 39 years ago, starring Anthony Michael Hall, Emilio Estevez, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Ellie Sheedy. Do you remember this? Does this bring up any fluttery feelings in you, John Carney? Not one. Wow. But oh, familiar. It's iconic. This is, this is very familiar with the chills. tune. I like the it tune. It gives me the chills, too. I like yeah. the tune very much. Okay, I'm glad you do. That's, it. That's all I got for you. Uh, the seventh season premiere of Young Sheldon on tonight. Also, you get Sounds of the Game on MLB Network and Peacock tonight. And there's a pretty big St. Louis slant to this episode. You might want to watch it. Also, Amy Schumer is on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. That is your schmooze now for the homemade jokes. Fresh made in the loo with John Carney. Wait, I'm just taking it all in. Breakfast Club. Mm. Yeah. I got to watch that movie. I'm not even positive I saw the whole thing. To be honest Honey, if you're listening, make that our, our movie of choice this evening. Please. All right. Here comes the news. Another private U.S. company, Intuitive, Took a shot at the moon this morning. Maybe you missed that. 
launching a month after our rival lunar's landing missed the mark and came crashing back to Earth. NASA, the main sponsor with experiments on board, is hoping for a successful moon landing next week as it seeks to jumpstart the lunar economy. Pen name? No. Anyone? No. It's, you're not the judge. Okay. Max? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Told you. Should have just left it at that. Uh, as they try to jumpstart the lunar economy ahead of astronaut missions. Or, or they could just film the whole thing in the Arizona desert like they did in 1969. Just saying. Do you need air? He's just hangry. Yeah, that's right. Workers in a North Carolina aquarium shocked, shocked when a stingray was found to be pregnant. Despite her only male companions were a pair of sharks. The aquarium and shark lab by Team Echo in downtown Hendersonville said the staff initially thought that the stingray, named Charlotte, might have cancer. But when they started to notice the swelling in September, they did some tests. Those tests showed that Charlotte was indeed pregnant with up to four pups. I guess that's what they call them if you're a stingray. Uh, officials have only two theories about how Charlotte could have gotten pregnant. The first possibility is a process called, oh, parthenogenesis, in which eggs develop without fertilization and grow into clones of their mother. Or Nick Cannon recently visited the aquarium. Wow. Anybody? Okay. I love that breakfast club. I know. <laughs> First time he noticed a shiny metallic container about the size of his pinky finger on the ground outside of his home in Florida. Paul Hawk. How you doing? Had no idea what he was looking at. He ended up picking up more than 2,000 of them over time. And they were nitrous canisters. Police have a person of interest. And he's only told authorities... I don't even live around here. <laughs> okay, I know that's helium, but that joke was for people that don't know the difference. Took a chance. House Judiciary Committee asking the ghostwriter of Joe Biden's memoir, Joe Biden, to turn over any recordings, any notes from his conversations with the president. The letter to Mark Zawantzer, who helped Biden write Promise Me Dad and Promises to Keep, Asked the ghostwriter to turn over audio recordings and transcripts that he has of their conversations. The response from the ghostwriter to the committee was, Boo! Is this on? They're ghostwriters. Boo! One more shot. <laughs> one, one more shot. A Port Charlotte man sentenced to 24 months of probation after he was arrested for fraudulently using his co-worker's credit cards to purchase items, including a pumpkin. Edward Atwood, charged with possession of a stolen credit card. Too bad he got caught because it looked like he had carved out a pretty nice niche for himself. It's not known if he needed the money or he was just gored. Okay, goodbye. I'll let myself out. It's fine. It's fine. On the text line, the Michael's Bath text line from the 618, 
I think Brian Cox was a better Hannibal Lecter than Anthony Hopkins. A shot across the bow. Max, what say you? Uh, they're very different in their portrayals. So, I mean, Manhunter is a great film, and I they they later remade it as Red Dragon, and I, I thought Hopkins was still great in the role. So, I, I don't know. They're, they're very... I mean, Brian Cox is just an intimidating guy. So he is. Casting him in, what, 84, 85 as Hannibal Lecter before people even knew that book very well, you know, it was based on Silence of the Lambs, and uh, and he was great. He was terrifying. But was he terrifying? So he was terrifying even when he was younger, because I feel like oh, yeah. part of his terrifyingness, if that's a word, which it probably isn't, is his age. Google Brian Cox Hannibal Lecter, and you'll see him in prison just like uh, mm. Anthony Hopkins, and it's it's he's terrifying. Maybe he was just gored. Hello? I still got to look up coconut. You crap. mean because it just because it rhymes with bored? <laughs> Is that what set that off? You know, you could hear great jokes like that on, on uh, JBL show, right? Can't you? No? Yes. No. No, money's no joke. Money. No joke. And planning for retirement's no joke. And I would think the fear of public speaking, the fear of being burned alive, uh, and the fe- fear of being buried alive is right up there with the fear of not having enough money when you retire. Sure. It's pretty terrifying. Like, uh, I, I'm going to be a Walmart greeter. Not that there's anything wrong with being a Walmart greeter, and I think they volunteer. But to be 70 and have to punch the clock every day, probably not a very exciting prospect for you. So if you got a nest egg, protect it. Maybe even make it grow. Or if you need to start one, like Pronto, listen in. They will give you sound advice. You can call in, ask questions. Am I doing the right things? It's Saturday mornings with Jeff and Aaron Lapidus from JBL Financial. And they are there for you. It is 151. We'll return momentarily. Shall we pump up the jam? Not a question I can answer. Anyone? What exactly are stumping feet? I don't know, but I love it. It says when your feet are stumping. That just makes me think somebody tripped and fell down. I don't know. That's the way my brain works or doesn't work. Depends on your perspective. Uh, music fans, music at the intersection coming up soon. Killer lineup and the man behind it all, Chris Hansen, who's joined us before on the show. Not the, uh, come on in, take a seat. Different Chris Hansen. Oh, um, this is a wonderful music festival. And he's a, he's my brother from another mother, as we're both uh, percussionists. John Carney is a snarky Walmart greeter would get me to shop there. Uh, thank you? Yeah, it's a compliment. Off of our they said it would be like having Don Rickles <laughs> greet you at Walmart if you did that. I don't think they'd keep me long if I was playing it that way. Just saying. So what else going on? We got to get to uh, Marshall in a bit. That's on the other side of the news. I was surprised, not surprised, when yesterday Tiger Woods, in advance of a tournament he's playing in this coming weekend at Riviera, uh, that he's rolling out a line of clothes 
Oh, no more Nike. Yeah, I'm thinking, why is he doing that? And then I remembered, oh, the breakup. I, I read a story about him recently that said that he and his wife, his ex-wife, that they have two children together, as and we know. And a three wood. And a three wood, but that now they are the best of friends after all that, according to the article that I read. It can't happen. I got to say, it can happen. I mean, there was something you... They, you know, they liked about each other initially, right? And then I would think so. I betrayed her so. horribly. But over time, you know, you look at the, the first wedding video differently. I guess you do. Does that count? It becomes a joke, I guess, after a while. I don't know. But then you can still be friends and hang out, say, at the Super Bowl party. She came over and helped clean up because I went to bed. Wow. So all you left wives. both of your wives in the same room without you in it? Yeah. All the, the wives were cleaning my kitchen. The wives While were I went to bed. My kitchen. I feel like King Henry VIII. I was going to say, Carney loved that. Oh, you had to love that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, here's the sad part. It was only like 9 o'clock, and I couldn't stay up any longer. <laughs> I'm so tired. But uh, thank you, man, for all the assistance, and thank you for coming over. From the 314 on the Michael's Baths text line, pump up the jam. That music made me feel like I was walking into George's. By George's. Well, I just thought it was George's. No, it was by George's. You went there. Yeah, I was a Stevens girl. We wore all black on Friday nights, and we would pump up the jam. I don't know that detail, but by George was. I thought it was, we just called it George's because maybe we were. Really cool. It had a know. long run. Really it did. did. Mm-hmm. Oh, miss those days. Now what is it? Eight four one two six. I'll be an Arby's. I don't, I don't know. know, but my my Taco Bell is still there on Broadway. Oh, that's I know. Nice. So Tiger's new line of clothes, Sunday Red. That's what it's called, and I assume that's because. You know, he's usually wearing a red shirt, but I don't know. I haven't seen the I would have liked a little tiger emoji. I haven't seen, well, he's even changing the logo. Uh, You know, it's not TW anymore that he used, like, for most of his career. Now it's a tiger jumping. And on the back, a picture of Carol Baskin. No, I made that last part up. The announcement comes less than a month after the end of the 27-year partnership, I did not realize it was that long. I wonder why he, I, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder why these uber-successful people, you got to think he's got a, plenty of money to retire, couldn't spend that much money in one lifetime, or maybe you could, depending on how many times you get married and how many kids you have. Care but seven, why wouldn't he want to just put his dogs up? Uh because people, and I'm guessing because I'm not one of them, people with that level of competitive spirit. I guess, yeah. It's about the game. It's like Tom Brady coming back and yeah. going. They don't know what to do with themselves after they retire. Or he's a, not really retired. He's still playing golf. I have a friend who probably owns 20% of the real estate in St. Louis. I mean, it's crazy. And he's 75 goes to work every day and works. I'm like, why? You won. He's like, I like the game. It's about the game. I get that. I'm not that way. One and out. I get millions. You're not going to find me. 
You period. say that, yeah, but a see, week into the whole thing. No, it'll, I'll make good on that one. No, because I think when someone like Tom Brady, he wants to be in the spotlight because he loves that adoration. He has got enough money to stop playing and stop being in front or stop broadcasting, but he wants people to have that rate. Like, it's Tom Brady. Are you drawing parallels? Is that what you're telling me? Yes, that even if you were as rich as Drake. You're mean. I'm not mean. I'm accurate. You would want people to say, yay, Carnival. Yeah. Julie Buck, am I wrong? (laughs) You're a terrible person for helping the kids. I'm sorry. Oh, no. You're a wonderful person for saving the children. I'm out there making a difference. What's wrong with me? There you go. I'm so ashamed. No, it's okay. Everybody has a different reason for their, a different why, a no, different he, motivation. Max nailed it. Um, <laughs> have, you, have you seen, have you seen the video going viral of the horse and the heavy metal music? Uh-uh. Worth a look-see. Uh, in Ontario, Canada, uh, at a stable, there's a horse named Chestnut. And whenever they crank up heavy metal music, the horse (laughs) bangs his head up and down. If they play anything different, she doesn't. They'll play country music, even particular bands, and the horse is partial to Slipknot. Not Rage Against the Machine, but any other music, they they don't. They turn up uh, the heavy metal with Slipknot, and the horse starts up and down again. Take a look. It's hilarious. KTRS St. Louis at 2. Carnie welcome back. We're going to jump jump into our segment with Marshall Brain and ask those burning questions. In just a second, I was driving to work today and I saw a car that looked just like the car I had where I had the license plates that sit on air for you, maybe if you mm. And it took, took me back and... I also have several friends who have names for their cars, or did when they were younger. And it's not just a mode of transportation. It it becomes a member of the family. We had a car named Stan once. See? Who's Stan once? Well, it was after Stan the man. Oh. But I get the joke. Of the Ohio onces? No. Of the St. Louis. I was just curious, asking for a friend. But yeah, it is something that is a lot more important than just your average purchase. Not just because you're spending a fair amount of, well, you know, um, but because there's an emotional attachment. And you spend a lot of time in your car, so you're going to want one that you're comfortable with, that you like. And I'll tell you where it is. Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. You get a previously enjoyed veal, different vehicle, veal. They, they sell veal. Look for the young calves on the side of the road, 70 and 79. Um, different makes, models, not just Chevys. If you go out to the uh, uh, Autoplex there on 70 and 79, you'll find Volvos. You'll find Saabs. You'll find BMWs. You'll find Toy- Ford trucks, Toyotas. Toyotas. Yeah, you'll find those too. 
But new Chevys rolling off the lot every since rolling onto the lot and then rolling off with happy new customers at the Chevy store, which of course is at the Washington Elizabeth exit off of 270. Been around a while and for good reason. Find them online too. Landoff.com. What would you do with a brain if you had one? If I only had a brain. Science. Brain. I imagine even when this guy is in REM sleep, that brain is going overtime. And he proves it week in, week out, when we visit with Marshall Brain. Hi, buddy. How are y'all today? I would say we're great. How about you? Nice. Yeah, it's all good. Beautiful day in North Carolina. Nothing, nothing but blue sky and sun and unseasonably warm temperatures. It's so weird because so many spots in the country are dealing with flooding and a ton of snow. And Central Park yesterday got like two inches in an yeah. hour. A lot of flights working. I mean, there's just. And we're getting snow tomorrow. Awful. Well, that's what they're saying, but I think they're lying. Chance of one to three. I know, but just when you think it's not going to happen, that's when you get smacked in the face with it. That's the weather and everything else in life. It's been my experience anyway. A little lesson from your Uncle Johnny there. That's right. I haven't haven't been smacked today. Lean forward. (laughs) Lean forward. I'll give you a smack. All right. Well, you know what is smacking a lot of people in the face is the economy right now. And there there are uh, there's inflation. It's happening. It can be tricky. It can be quirky. But there are several examples of how to measure inflation because it's not really that easy to do. There's some science to it, right? Yes, there is a whole branch of economics that's trying to give us a feeling for what the inflation rate is. But it's hard because there's so many different prices and they all move in different ways. So economists came up with this thing called the Consumer Price Index. And it uh, is, well, they would say it's a basket of goods. And that basket represents all the different things a normal person would buy. Does it represent a band name, Max? No. May. Ah, we don't have one today. <laughs> okay. There's still some time. So, you know, like housing is one of the things in the consumer price index, and then food and gasoline and clothing and electricity. So they pick these, you know, all the things that we would commonly buy. And then they weight them a little bit because usually we spend more on housing than we do on clothes. And then they kind of merge that all together. And that gives us, you know, what the monthly uh, or yearly inflation rate is. That's like that's the best we've got in the United States right now. That when they give us the, you know, the annual inflation number, that's usually the consumer price index or sometime 
sometimes there's the core uh, index, which is everything but food and fuel, and they take those out because those sometimes are a lot uh, more volatile, changier than than uh, some of the other prices. But you know, there, this is an attempt to help us understand what's happening with prices. And you're right. Right now, they're uh, they're uncomfortable because every time you go to the grocery store, it seems like it's gone up a buck. <laughs> yeah, whatever your favorite thing is. Well, who who can you track it down to a person? Is there like one person that says, "Yep, inflation's up four <laughs> percent"? Some guy at a desk with a dartboard, or I, how does that part work? It's not a person; it's a bureau, <laughs> like the like the bureau like of labor. What? Nothing. <laughs> it, so you know, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, or some you know, an organization like that inside the government, made up of hundreds or thousands of economists, is having to gather all this data because it's often different in different cities, even. And then merge it all together and try to give us a blend that that is accurate over time and is representative of what most of us are experiencing. And it seems like it's the old painting, the Golden Gate Bridge. It sounds like that takes so long to do that by the time that they come up with an inflation rate, they need to start over again. Yeah. Well, computers have made it easier. It does lag a little bit because you're right. You have to gather all this stuff and and grind through it. But, but you know, comp- computation and the internet and stuff has has made it a lot faster than it used to be. All right, I'll take that. This one comes from my kid. Uh, my oh. son, my son asked me the one that keeps uh, snagging all my colognes, and they all end up in his room. Um, Really? How are fragrance fragrances made? And I had nothing. I have no idea. You know, when they say this is lavender or this is vanilla, I don't see any threads of vanilla beans or, or petals of <laughs> lavender that have been crushed. So how do they create an essence? Nice. Uh, do you want to smell good or bad? Uh, good. Depends where I am. <laughs> good. All right. Because, like, if you want to smell bad, you can, you know, smoke some cigarettes, and boom, you have a fragrance. <laughs> um, but if you want to smell good with things like vanilla and uh, the essence of different flowers, uh, sometimes colognes can go a little musky. You know, you have all these different components you can put into your fragrance. So you form essential oils out of these different plant materials or uh, spices. Sometimes um, the musky stuff often comes from the musk organs of different uh, bovine animals or, you know, chemical derivatives of that. So you would assemble... Normally, you would have, like, if we were fragrancers or whatever the official name is, we would decide, like, we want uh, 
you know, a certain note that comes off at the beginning and then there's a middle note and then a, you know, a lingering note. We, you know, it's a whole science and you are mixing these different ingredients together. So you get, um, you know, it delivers the scent properly to the, to the recipient. And they put it in a blender or they, in a mortar and pestle. How do they, how do they do it? Oh, well, like, you know, you mentioned vanilla. So uh, vanilla comes to us like real vanilla. If we're not synthesizing not dee, it in, dee, 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 dee. in okay. a chemistry lab, we're taking a bean off a vanilla plant and we're grinding it up into a powder. And then we're using something like alcohol to, um, you know, to extract the essence from that bean, sort of like you know when you make coffee, you're using water to extract the essence from the coffee bean. I hadn't thought of it that yeah. way. That makes sense. Same kind of process, and and that gives you uh, the essence. You know that's why they're called essential oils. The the essence of the flavor and the smell, and then. Uh, you know, once you've captured it like that, then you can just add drops of the different notes you want in your fragrance. Yeah. And typically with alcohol, maybe a little bit of oil, and you mix that together, and that's, that's, that's you know, what you're work. putting on your body. It's too much work. I'm just going to smell bad. Um. I saw this story about a week ago, and it ended up going making the rounds around the internet and on magazine covers. That picking your nose, oh my lord, which is that was yours, you bad are enough, such a juvenile. Yeah, which yeah that is, came from Julie. Which is bad enough, uh, might put you at a higher risk for Alzheimer's disease. Yes, uh, and that's true because of the and bacteria. Yes. Uh, and the the picking the nose part is the avenue that the bacteria are given to get into your brain. So have you heard of these, like, flesh-eating bacteria and brain-eating bacteria? Like that, a, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that people, you know, a kid will go swimming in a lake uh. or something in the summer, and they'll get the brain-eating bacteria and really? that is the same thing where the bacteria gets into your nose. And then the way, you know, we smell, we have this thing called the olfactory nerve that comes down from the brain into our nose so that, so that we can sense the chemicals we're smelling. And it turns out there's a really um, like a tiny leak that runs along that nerve and Bacteria can get straight from your nose up into your brain without much impediment. And that's how uh, we end up, when we pick our nose, we're introducing bacteria into our nose area. And then it migrates up that nerve and gets into our brain and can, over time, lead to Alzheimer's disease, among other things. So... If you read about this, which is gross, but if you you know if you ever spend any time doing a deep dive in Google on this topic, you will we be you. admonished never to mess with your nose. 
just leave it at that. Uh, well, remember, know, remember, Marshall, you can pick your friends and you can pick, pick your, your nose, nose, but you can't, can't wipe your friends behind the couch. Um, the other half of this, also from Julie, terrifying. No, I, that was not from me. The oh. second part of that was not from me. Well, this that... is the medical segment then from okay. someone. Nice. Taking Viagra might lower your risk for Alzheimer's. Okay, that's an old wives' tale. Oh, <laughs> fine. The other part, the, uh, that has been suggested. <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, it just uh, well, when we do a you know a double blind test, blah blah blah, of old men, <laughs> it just turns out that it doesn't it doesn't really work. Yeah. Okay, we could we could lose the visual. Uh, anybody want to hit on any of these yeah, other ones? Yeah, I, I was super interested in something called the Kuka Melon. Uh, a couple of months ago, we talked about the Paw Paw with Marshall yeah. because the three of us had never heard of the Paw Paw. Yeah, and uh, I've never heard of the Kuka Melon. And I was wondering, because John Carney is a chef extraordinaire, if he is maybe cooked with a Kuka Melon. I've had a Paw Paw Kuka Melon salad. It's fantastic. No, I have no idea. I've never heard of it. Marshall Brain, have that. you had a kooka melon and a pawpaw? I have had a pawpaw. I have not experienced a kooka melon, and we have to disambiguate it from toko melon. Uh, right. We had small children. Yeah. Uh, That's what I was thinking. That's what Justin yeah, Cooper was thinking too, probably. A lot like the very, very, very popular children's animated nursery rhyme television show and YouTube channel. It's like, I don't know if you if you knew this, but Cocomelon on YouTube is like the biggest subscribed channel on YouTube. It's incredibly popular uh, for little kids. But the Cocomelon, which is what we're talking about here, is it looks like a very tiny watermelon about the size of a grape. And, and if you were to see it in the wild, you would look at it and you'd think, oh my gosh, it's a, a miniaturized watermelon. Unfortunately, it doesn't taste anything like a watermelon. Instead, it tastes like um, a cucumbery kind of thing mixed with lemon juice. So it has this really kind of tart, um, you know, sourish cucumber taste. Sounds Maybe. gross. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't say it was a good thing, but, you know, it's it sort of trends in the same direction as pickles do. You know, I'm not a huge fan of pickles, but a pickle is cucumbery with, you know, the vinegar makes it tart. And, and so it's sort of like nature's <laughs> cucumber with a little bit different. Um, you know, a different type of sourness. There we go. There we go. I've never seen them at the store either. So no, they aren't. You know, they're indigenous to like Central and Southern America, and they never have really taken off. Uh, you know, in the way bananas have, or something like that. Just, uh, you know, there's just not a base for the. Cucumelon, I guess. Marshall, already, I'm making a list for questions for next week. So right. stay sharp, buddy. 
Thanks. All right. I will look forward to it. MarshallBrain.com if you got some questions, too. Hey, Captain. Hey. What's Shaga, buddy? What do you know? Oh, about four things. I just keep mixing them up so it looks like <laughs> I know a lot of stuff. <laughs> it works sometimes. So tell me about your, your mornings. My I mean, mornings. Not, not this morning in particular, but when you first open your eyes to greet the day, do your feet immediately hit the ground and let's get this thing going? Or do you roll over and go, What a tough question. No, that's not bad. Button. It's it's very painful because in my previous job, my my whole line was I woke up whenever I woke up. That's when I was supposed to wake up because I worked afternoons into the evening. And so now I wake up at 540 and I set two alarms, my phone, which is the loudest, and then an alarm clock which you can barely hear. Right. Um, Is it one of those ones that goes, Yeah, and it's, it's so pitch. annoying so that you have to get up and turn it off. The, the phone really gets me going, but I hopped straight out of bed and stumble into the room of my uh, home office and get ready to go, but it's, it's hard for me to get. I'm not a morning guy. Now, what about midday when the gas tank starts to get on E? You get a nap in? Naps in. You know what? I don't do the nap thing much, only when I'm uh, feeling really tired. But I just uh, try to take care of some things, personal stuff during the day, during that three-and-a-half-hour break. And then I come in here, and I'm uh, ready to go. Well, I asked because the other day we were talking about the new words that Dictionary.com was rolling out. Mm -hmm. And there was one called Herkle Durkle. And I was like, what is Herkle Durkle? And apparently it's a thing, and it's to lie in bed or lounge about when one should be up and about. And it replaces the word that used to stand for that, which I also hadn't heard of, bed rotting. How's oh, that? Wait, Alex we, Stone just told us about bed rotting. Bed rotting. Yeah. Really? Where so, was I? You were, you were here. here. You talked yeah. to him. Is that decomposing? Herkle Durkle. Herkle Durkle. Yeah. I, so it's already replaced. I just learned what bed rotting was, I think, yeah. on Monday. Well, throw it out the window because it's completely changed. It's now, now a Herkle, Herkle Durkle. And I'm a, I'm a Herkle Durkler. Uh, I'll say it. And proud. Getting up is a nightmare. And the funny thing is, if I don't have to get up, I'm right out of bed. Yeah, it's a psychological thing. And on days where, you know, I got a bunch of stuff to do, I got a piece of work by eight, got an interview, whatever, I would give anything to just lay there. Very strange. One thing I don't I don't believe in the snooze button. You can take that off my alarm clocks. I don't use it. I have you ever? Because it really mine's set for eight minutes and thirty five seconds. It's heaven. Oh really? That eight minutes is the best sleep you'll get. It's amazing. I'm probably a little different than most people. Oh, I, oh, I believe that. <laughs> yeah. You, you got a universal yes well, uh-huh. to that one. I set you up for that one. It's those it's those brief little sleeps that do it. The Royal Canadian Air Force. I don't know if they still do this, but I had read that several years ago because they fly so many jetties and they're constantly up in the air at all different kinds of times. They catch sleep when they can, and one of the things they would do is sit in a chair that was turned backwards and put like a quarter on their hand. 
and lay down, and eventually their hand would fall, quarter would hit the ground, they'd wake up. And they would do that like four or five times, and it was like the equivalent of eight hours sleep. So the quarter is like the snooze button. Yeah. Or the alarm. But it's those brief little hits that, man, get me through. Absolutely. You're a napper, a napster. And Julie's looking at me like, you just made up that whole Royal well, Canadian Air Royal Force. Royal Canadian Air Force. No, it's, it's a real thing. Okay. It's in books. They're very popular. Uh, thanks, Cam. I'll we'll, pick one up. We'll be listening to you. You'll probably throw it at me. Um, we'll listen to you this afternoon. A little sports. Yeah, sports and traffic. traffic. No weather. Never, man never sleeps. Well, he never snoozes. Yeah. It is uh, <laughs> 2.35. <laughs> Coming together again tomorrow to hopefully inform and entertain. Tom O'Keefe and Amelia Earhart, expert, and uh, Chris uh, Williamson will be joining us. Um, And Chris Hansen, two Chris's tomorrow. Bit confusing. Music at the Intersection, one of the many new uh, music festivals that have popped up in the area. And it's something very popular with you young kids today. Sure. You know, I I used to love to go to Mississippi River Festival and those outdoor concerts, early Red Report days, but now it just kind of feels like if I go to one of those, somebody is going to say, who called their dad? Right. Are you a cop? Are you the Uber driver I just called? That would just destroy me. I don't want to put myself in that position. Well, how do you think they felt when they saw you at the Drake show? Um, they they probably th- thought I was an usher. Like, can you show me where these <laughs> seats are? Did anybody ask you for advice? Luckily not. Well, I was also in a wheelchair at the time, so maybe they just had. And then on the flip side, at seventy five, my dad, Rock and Ricky Sanborn, went to Riot Fest in Chicago last year and saw. Foo Fighters and The Cure and The Breeders. Did he love it? Oh, my Lord. He had the great, the best time. He actually has downstairs. He bought a poster, and he has a poster from the first music festival he ever went to, which was, um, oh, man, it was in Florida someplace in, like, 1960. It was Stone. Something. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then, and yeah. then he, he has them framed side by side that over, the, yeah. over the course of 50 years going to music festivals. That's funny. Well, he some of the it. bands in that later one, I recognize those names, but... Most of the festivals now, I mean, like a jazz fest in New Orleans, I can name about 10 of the 120 acts. The rest of them, not remotely familiar. I think I would like to go to one of those, to a music festival, but then I think I don't want to be like out there in the mud, you know? Like I'd want a a nice place to stay. Of course. Well... (laughs) I mean, it's I don't like know glamping. if that, that's the thing. Yeah. You don't want to camp, you want to glamp. Yeah. 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 So it's probably not going to work out for me. No, even, probably go to Vegas. Even the VIP packages they offer probably aren't quite up to snuff for you. Really? Like where you've got, well, I bet they are. Giving you access to a porta potty, I don't think that's going to make it for you. Yeah. I, I gave up on all that outdoorsy stuff a long time ago. It's just not what I'm, it's just not how I'm cut out. How, how long did you give it? I gave it a couple nights in the woods <laughs> and somewhere in Missouri That's with my fair. with my uh, my newly betrothed husband. 
back in the day. It is so funny. And it didn't go well for me. You're like that. And Crusher's Mr. Outdoors. Yes. I mean, totally different ends. Totally. Isn't it weird? It is, but I, that's why that's why it works a lot of the time, you know? I guess. Hmm. So I have been trying to broaden my education. I said this yesterday. And wean myself off true crime documentaries. Although I watched one last night called Lover Killer. I was something. thinking you could kind of dip into the law and order. You know, it's kind of like the in-between. I have. Oh, of true just, crime plus it's just like the next step away from it. You yeah, know? I just started doing that. And the nice thing is there's like nine seasons. I know. So, um, the total evolution of those characters. But educational podcasts, something I would not otherwise listen to. And I'm listening to a series of them now. I told you yesterday about the, the uh, European art world. Uh, the people that buy and sell and... You know, the, all the politics involved and where a painting hangs and a back room's not good. Eye level's the great spot. And, I mean, all this stuff I never thought about. It. And it's art. I don't care. But I thought, <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to this anyway and store this in the back of my head like the Royal Canadian Air Force. And someday it'll come up in conversation. I tell you all of that because I would have just glossed over the story this morning but I, it caught my attention because of what I just said and what I've been listening to. A painting of George Washington that dates back to the early 1800s. Um, and it's been in a particular family for about 50 years. Um, was stolen. But it was stolen from one of those storage facilities in Inglewood, Colorado. I would think if you had a beautiful antiquated painting of George Washington, you would display it and not put it in a... Or loan it to a museum or something. Yeah, no, somebody took it out of a storage space and the family that owned it and recently found out it was stolen, like, "We, we don't even know. We don't even know... When it got stolen. And I thought, wow, you know, if I was into art, I'd probably take care of it. Better than tossing it into storage space. I feel like you kind of are into art. I wouldn't say you don't care about art. That's not I true. Mean, you love music. You, you I'm a watch student. movies. I mean, that's those are art forms. But if I own... You've got a Peter Max. Yeah, I mean, art is not just a painting. It's true. I mean, what we do, there's an art to broadcasting. Eh. Like remembering to do your live endorsements. You know, there's an art to Like that. what? If you were going to do one, say I mean, hypothetically. There's, there's so many to choose from. Julie. Okay. <laughs> nice one. Okay. Let's, uh, I don't know, let's go out to St. Charles, shall we? Why not? I was visiting with those folks just yesterday on the phone, and they want me to do some more stuff for them. And I'm like, Absolutely. And I'm thinking, that's only going to help me, you know, promote the brand. I'll do whatever you want. Want me to show up at the Working Woman's Survival Show? They didn't ask me, but Wendy and Jennifer are going to be out there. So we're representing. Um, I mentioned Bruce Hornsby coming out. St. Charles has a symphony orchestra. Did you know that? I did not know that. They're putting on their winter concert. That is right around the country. 
are right around the corner. March uh, 3rd for that concert. Festivals, uh, concerts, restaurants. Oh, Jalal, I can't say enough about that Peruvian place on Main Street where we went last night. It was absolutely terrific. There are so many choices. And every time I scoot over to the other side, over at the streets, there's like five places I didn't see before. Buildings that weren't there before. And it just keeps growing. So if it's been a while, uh, come back, take a look, and you'll wonder, why haven't I been out here in so long? I.e. chicken and the pickle, for example. DiscoverStCharles.com will break it all down for you, and we'll see you in St. Charles. The folks at Medrio Sources are happy. Jeff Braun over there uh, honoring me last week when he said, hey, we're doing uh, a new brochures for like when we go out to trade shows and things we can hand to people that kind of talks about what we do, what we have. I don't know how they're going to do a trifold that explains everything that they have at Med Resources. But one thing they wanted to put in there were testimonials. And they asked me for one. And I was like, Absolutely. And within about 10 minutes, I sent him an email of... And a picture from your best side? Yeah, I haven't found the best side yet. But when I do, Jeff, (laughs) I'll be sending it to you. But I just started writing off the top of my head. And it was like three paragraphs. And I just got an email from him... Too long. About 15 minutes ago. and said, yeah, uh, can you you cut a couple paragraphs out of this? the brochure's not eight feet long. Sorry, Jeff, I'll fix that. But, you know, I I know from what I speak. I mean, you guys have been there for me and so many other people for whatever the needs are. And, you know, being, being a hypochondriac, I think I used everything that they have in their place. At least once. Yeah, if you're recovering from a procedure or you just need things to get around and Mother Nature's turned her back, you know, they can help. They can help with top quality things and people behind it designing those things with you in mind. Not one size fits all. Doesn't work that way. Med Resource, beautiful showroom too on uh, Olive out there near Clarkson and one over on the other side of the river. Go to DelmarGardens.com. You can see more about what to do and what they have. Um, it's difficult sometimes doing this show or any show really on the radio, but ours particularly that's rooted in humor and friendship and laughing and lighthearted stuff, but you can't stop what's going on in the world. And we certainly don't ignore what's going on in the world. And yesterday was another one of those times where something significant happened. There was a tragedy and it was still unfolding when we were on the air. So it was kind of tough to stay with it when there wasn't really anything to tell you that was new. And of course, I'm talking about the shooting in Kansas City at the Chiefs rally. We know a little more now, but certainly not as much as the folks at CB at uh, who don't at ABC. Don't repeat that one, Alex. At ABC, huh. take have been two, a- take two. Able to garner what? Uh, so what do we know? Yeah, well, quite a bit more in the the last couple of hours. So there were a lot of questions overnight and going into this morning of what was this? So we knew that the FBI was not taking it over, that it was not 
terrorism. They didn't think it was that. But was there some effort among those who were detained to shoot into the crowd and to kill people? And it looks like no, that a couple hours ago, police came out and said this was not an active shooter targeting the crowd. This was a street argument, and it was a, a dispute that they got into. Those involved had guns. They fired, and then about almost two dozen victims in the crowd were hit and were innocent bystanders for the, the most part. They don't know if, if everybody was innocent among those uh, who were hit. Some may have been involved in it as well. Um, but everybody went running, and then more victims were showing up through the, the night at hospitals and at doctor's offices and all over. And now the number is one dead, a local radio DJ, mother of two, popular DJ at weddings around Kansas City as well, and 23 who were hit and injured, and then some more who had injuries from you know, running away and spraining something or breaking something or panic attacks and, and that sort of thing. But a lot of people who were hit in, uh, in what seems like it was street violence, and uh, most of those uh, involved who are detained now are minors. Uh, they are under 18 years old, and it seems that they were fighting. So what's the next step with this? I mean, they, they go to juvenile court or are they tried as adults? We don't know what they're going to do. The, their age will have uh, some play on that. If they're 17, then maybe they'll try them as, uh, charge them as adults. If they're 14, then probably not. Uh, their ages aren't clear. They're in custody right now. They're only detained right now. They have not been officially arrested. They have not been charged. We'll know more about them, not their names being minors, but know more about them uh, once the charges are filed. We know that a lot of the bystanders took down these suspects that as they were running away, there were people in the crowd who said, oh, no, you're not, you're not running away. And they tackled them and held them down, and guns fell out of their, uh, their waistbands, and uh, they, they held them there until police uh, came up. Half of the victims who were shot were under 16 years old, the youngest being 8 years old. We, uh, we heard from a trauma surgeon today who worked on the, the victims coming in saying that they were severely injured, that they were in uh, rough shape, but that they, they still have some in the ICU, but that they're doing better. Quite a few of those who were shot are still at Children's Hospital in Kansas City. Um, but charges will be the next thing, probably later on today or tomorrow morning, that at some point, assuming that they continue to believe that the, 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 those who they have detained, that they are the suspects, that, that then they'll be charged. A lot of questions still that need to be answered, for sure. And, we, you know, we feel a, a super deep connection to this because it's right down the highway from us, really. I mean, you know, there are our rival in sports, but as far as a football team, a lot of people in this area are huge fans of the Chiefs, and we were kind of riding that happiness wave with them. What have members of the team had to say about this? They've done. Uh, they've tweeted out quite a bit, saying that they are thinking of the the people of Kansas City and that they're they're heartbroken. And sure, I mean this was at the very end, right? As the the MC was saying, "Hey, thank you all for coming. You know, this this was a great time." And then about ten seconds later, it was bang, 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 and then everybody started running at that point, not knowing what was going on. Some people thought it was fireworks. Some knew immediately it was gunfire, but. Was it uh, shooting into the crowd or was it something like this, that there was a fight in the crowd? And this brings up all the debate uh, about uh, gun crime and, and guns in, in the city and whatnot. That It seems like that this was, you know, the guys who had guns yeah. who were in the, the crowd and got into a, a fight and then started uh, fighting with them. Police have been asked, shouldn't you have done something? You had 800 cops there. 
I mean, really, what do they do? They had a lot of cops around the, the area. Nobody was screened going into the downtown area. All right, Alex, thanks much. We'll get more from you tomorrow, I'm sure. News is coming up next. Julie Max and I will be back. Josh and Heidi are next. And uh, that about covers it. I'm John Carney. Thanks for listening. Be good to each other.